Welcome to Charity Talks. I'm Brooke Tanevsky, and today I spoke with Timothy Higdon, the president and CEO of Hearing Health Foundation. HHF is the largest nonprofit funder of hearing and balance research in the United States. For more than 60 years, HHF has awarded scientific research grants to foster the development of cochlear implant technology, more effective hearing aids, and successful ear surgeries. By partnering with innovative scientists who work to reduce hearing loss and tinnitus, as well as balance-related disorders, each year HHF is getting closer to its goal of finding cures for these conditions, which affect hundreds of millions of people. So I hope you enjoy learning more about the strides that HHF is making. Welcome to Charity Talks. I'm Brooke Tanevsky, and today I'm speaking with Timothy Higdon, the president and CEO of Hearing Health Foundation. Timothy, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Brooke. So to start, can you tell us about yourself, your background, and how you came to Hearing Health Foundation? Sure. So I started out my career as an Army officer, and I thought that that was you know, uh, what I was going to do for the rest of my life. I ended up uh, in the Army for 18 years. Um, after I finished my uh, service, I did eight years of active duty and 10 years in the reserves. I went into corporate America and spent uh, the next several years in corporate America. And then when 9-11 happened, I was living in New York and actually went went down to the, uh, to the site to help do rescue. And it was really an inflection point in my life where I said that I really wanted to do something with my life where I felt like I was making a difference and not just worried about shareholder value or uh, increasing the size of uh, the companies I work for. So I transitioned into the nonprofit sector and I've worked for many of the, either as a consultant or in-house, I've worked for some of the top charities in the country. I've worked with Girl Scouts of the USA, Amnesty International. Uh, I recently spent uh, almost four years at NYU Langone Medical Center here in New York. And when this opportunity came up to lead Hearing Health Foundation, I really jumped at it because hearing health is something that's very important to me. I lost a significant portion of my hearing in the military. And as I've gotten to, uh, you know more involved, I, I want to keep what hearing I have left. And I want to help make sure that uh, we're working toward a cure and helping other people prevent having hearing loss like uh, I do. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm also a, uh, a professor at Columbia University and a professor at uh, New York University. Uh, so that's kind of what I do for fun is do a little bit of teaching. Great. And what is HHF's mission? So our mission is to prevent and find cures for hearing loss and balance related diseases. The prevention piece is something that uh, that we are really diligently working on. And that's really to make sure that, you know, that people don't have hearing loss. And if they do, is to make sure that they don't have additional hearing loss. Uh, we also are the country, the U.S. is the largest private funder of hearing-related uh, research. And so what we try to do is, for, you know, is that we are working to find cures for hearing loss and other, you know, other related diseases. As we'll talk about in a minute, Hearing 
there, you know, it's not just hearing loss that happens, but there's a lot of yeah. other balance related uh, diseases and conditions that come along with, with that as well. So, uh, we, you know, we have a, you know, a bifurcated mission is one is to prevent, which is extremely important. And on the other side, uh, which is equally important is that we're, we're funding uh, science research to find cures. And this is obviously a big question, so take it however you want, but can you tell us about hearing loss generally and how does hearing loss work and some types of hearing loss there are? Sure. So there are several different ways that hearing loss can happen. It may be genetic that you may be born with hearing loss. Most people are have hearing loss because of exposure to loud noise. And that can happen in one of two ways. It could be that you, you're in a situation where you are exposed to extremely loud noise and you can have immediate hearing loss. So for instance, a soldier in the military could be in a place where there is a grenade explode or there, you know, a bomb explode or something like that, where the hearing loss is almost it is immediate. Um, there are other situations like my situation where you have you are around loud noise for a long period of time and you're not wearing hearing protection. And so that one sneaks up on you. That's the sneaky devil there in that, you know, that you oftentimes don't realize that you have hearing loss until, you know, until it happens. I'll tell you a quick story in a minute. Um, sometimes people are prescribed medication that, you know, to kill an infection, which can be super strong uh, drugs. And those drugs can also cause uh, hearing loss. And then uh, there's a certain amount of hearing loss that comes with old age. Just as you, you know, as you get older, the ears wear out, kind of, so to speak. So those are some of the ways. It's certainly not all inclusive. Um, the way that hearing works is kind of interesting because it's both mechanical and electronic. So if you think about it, what happens is in your world, there are a bazillion sounds that are happening. And the first, and so your, your ears are getting all those sounds. But what happens is the sound enters the ear and then it moves to the inner ear, which is behind the eardrum. And then the sound waves move into the inner ear. And in the inner ear, it's, it's, re, it's converted into electrical stimuli that actually goes to the brain. So if you think about like all the noises that may be going on, that your brain is constantly filtering out because it, it would be completely overwhelming to be in a situation where if you heard everything. So what you're, you know, part of it is a survival mechanism, but, you know, your brain is filtering out the sounds and noises that are not survival related or not things that you need to know about. So there's always this process that's going on. The other thing that the ears do, that which is super important, is around balance. You know, so I don't know if you've ever jumped up out of a chair real quick and you feel a little dizzy or woozy. Believe it or not, that equilibrium is from your ears. You know, your your ears are a play a critical part in equilibrium in making sure that you have uh, that you have balance. So those are some of the general ways. So you know that hearing is both a mechanical. So your hear your ears, it goes in, it goes through the uh, the eardrum, through the inner ear, or the middle ear to the inner ear, and then is converted into electrical stimuli that goes to the brain. The brain plays a really key role in one in filtering that, but also helping your brain process to say what is it that 
your mechanical things are actually hearing. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think a lot of people might not be aware of that. So I think it's important that they are aware of it. And I know you mentioned balance. And so I was just wondering, what are some of the other health consequences associated with hearing loss that people might not be aware of? Yeah, uh, probably one of the, the, the things that is the most debilitating is that people begin to socially isolate. So when you have hearing loss, what ends up happening at first, what you're always, you might be doing is say, huh, could you repeat that? Say that again. Or you do something, you know, like where you cup your hand behind your ear and you're trying to, and then after a while that gets really frustrating and it takes an incredible amount of emotional energy to do that. So then what ends up happening is this people just say, you know, forget about it. I just, you know, I'll stay home. I'm not going to go into loud and noisy places or go to parties where I'm not going to be able to hear. So, you know, social isolation is one of the, you know, is a really important thing. And it can also lead to dementia. And there are research, there's research studies that show that untreated hearing loss can lead to dementia. And one of the reasons is, is that as you isolate yourself, and especially if, as you get older and if you're not around other people, that dementia can really be accelerated by not having social contact. So, you know, that's one of the, you know, is a real danger. And then I would also say that think about if you can't hear all, you know, what's your quality of life going to be like, Mm -hmm. or if you have, you know, limited hearing. So quality of life, like being able to enjoy music, being able to hear, you know, children, being able to hear the birds chirping, going on, you know, being outside and enjoy. So, a lot, you know, so there's a lot of factors that really go into, you know, go into that as well. Yeah, that makes sense. And I was just wondering, what are some maybe common misconceptions that people have about hearing loss? You know, probably one is that, you know, it's like we see a lot of hashtags, like hashtag worth it. So they'll go, you know, folks will go to a concert. Yeah. The music will be so loud that the next day or day or two or three, their ears are ringing, they cause headaches and whatever. And they'll say, oh, it's so worth it. You know, and there's a misconception that loud is better and it really isn't. And that's one of the things that, you know, for your listeners, that's really important. And, you know, we'll talk about that in a minute about like how to prevent that, but not exposing yourself to that or not exposing to yourself a lot to that. A really good analogy is, you know, on Thanksgiving, you know, on Thanksgiving, we all kind of gorge. You know, we have pumpkin pie and apple pie and, you know, we have cake and cookies and beer and wine and all that stuff. Well, if, you know, if it's only once or twice a year, it's not a problem because as much of a problem because your body is able to recover from that. But think about if you ate like you did on Thanksgiving or like I did on Thanksgiving. I'm not a brick, I'm not a single <laughs> But, you know, imagine that, you know, you're gorging all the sweet stuff and you do that day after day after day, there's an accumulating effect to that. And that's what, you know, when you're exposed to loud noise, there is an absolute accumulation effect to it. And so that's, you know, um, that is a really uh, critical piece of this. Yeah, I think it brings up an interesting point. These extreme high noises and loudness is so normalized that almost feels inescapable sometimes. It is, and I will tell you how is a, you know, a really good way to deal with that is that I carry on my keychain, and I know we're this isn't visual or you know we're auditory, but on my keychain I actually have two different sets of earplugs. 
Uh, one is for general and one is for music. And what happens is like when I'm in an environment where it's really loud. So for instance, when I go to the gym in the morning, there's a subway track that runs overhead. The, the coaches love to crank up the music and people are dropping uh, barbells all the time. It's mm. really loud in there. I always wear, you know, I always wear earplugs. Uh, things like, you know, when you go to a restaurant, the real cool and trendy restaurants tend to be, have a lot of hard surface in there where it's really loud. And again, you know, things like giving your ears a rest. So if you're in an environment where it is really loud, is make sure that you, you, you know, give your ears a rest and give them a break. But, you know, hearing loss is one of, is once that it happens, at least at this point right now, there's not cures for it. There, what there are is there's things like hearing aids and, and a cochlear implant if you have profound hearing loss that can be done, but it doesn't restore your hearing. And so it's one of those things is that you really want to hang on to and do everything you can uh, to protect your hearing because it'll sneak up on you. Now, sometimes what will happen is that you'll be exposed to a super loud noise and, you know, and you can have immediate hearing loss. But those are really uh, unpreventable, mostly. So it's like thinking about what are the things that you can do to help take care of yourself right now? And earplugs is one of the most important things you can do. Yeah, definitely. And can you share what is HHF doing to prevent and reduce the incidence of hearing loss in the public? Sure. We launched a campaign this year called Keep Listening. And what Keep Listening is, is it, it, it is a program that's really designed to make people aware of, one, how hearing loss happens and the things that you can do to prevent it. And we are, you know, we are working with musicians, musicians, we're working, we're reaching out to artists. What we're really trying to do is figure out and, and, and get the message out in the most effective way. We're running a series of public service announcements, uh, commercials on television. Uh, we're doing a lot of work with Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we're going to be doing, begin to, to do some work with TikTok. But what we're really trying to do is just get the message out as it says, you know, your hearing is one of your most valuable senses. They're all valuable. You know, it is an extremely valuable sense. You you know, and once you lose it, it's, you you know, you can't get it back, at least at this point. And so doing everything you can to protect it. The the Keep Listening campaign is an evergreen campaign, meaning that it will continue to evolve over time. But we want to have, you know, saving your hearing to be as common as not smoking, wearing a seatbelt, wearing sunscreen when you go uh, go outside. Those kind of really basic things. Don't drink and drive. Those kinds of things that when I was your age, no one thought about. Mm-hmm. I mean, we smoked cigarettes and, you know, we would have a couple drinks and, and drive home and we'd go out in the sun and we would take baby oil and slather on us thinking we were going to get a sun. So all those things that you would never do, what we want to have, you know, really build into uh, our society and the ethos of society is to say, protecting your hearing is is equally as important as wearing a seatbelt, not smoking and these other things. Yeah, and I think that those examples you referenced, they really show it is possible to change the public perception of health and make that effect. Yeah, the, the challenge of it is, is that if you think about all the messages that one gets in their day, like when I was growing up and when I was, you know, in high school, there were four TV channels. There was not the internet. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have cell phones. And, you know, we said, you know, when I went to college, I said, 
you would need to get a message 10 times in order for it to resonate, for mm -hmm. it to, to stick. And now for a message to stick, you know, you're probably talking hundreds, you know, hundreds of exposures just for it to even come into your consciousness. So the, the challenge of the hill that we have is really big, but uh, our organization and our, out, you know, our partners and allies, you know, this is something that's super important. We're going to take it on. Yeah, very understandable. And I know that HHF funds cutting edge research as well to find cures and treatments for hearing loss and balance disorders. So can you just share a little bit about these programs you have? Sure. So we go back to 1958 uh, and we have two major research programs. The first program that actually goes back to our founding is called the Emerging Research Grant Program or ERG for short. And what ERG does is that we fund scientists that are working on specific projects around hearing loss and balance-related diseases. We really emphasize funding early career researchers. So researchers that are within the first seven years of receiving their PhD, because these are the most valuable years for them. It's the, when the funds that they need to get their lab set up is the most important and for them to prove their hypothesis to go on to get government money. The thing that we're really proud of is that for our ERG early career researchers, for every dollar we invest, they're able to get an additional $48 from the government over time. So we really see this as an effective investment in helping you know, early career researchers get their projects up and running. And then we fund other projects that are, you know, that we fund whatever the best research project is, for instance, around you know, Meniere's disease uh, or Usher syndrome, central auditory processing disorder, tenderness, hyperacusis. These are other conditions that we fund researchers for. The other major area that we fund is what's called the Hearing Restoration Project. The Hearing Restoration Project is really focused on hair cell regeneration. So if you remember when we were talking back about how, uh, you know, how the ear works inside the inner ear, you have very tiny cells that look like little hairs. I mean, these are microscopic cells. Uh, and when those cells, those cells are a critical part of being able to hear. So if you have healthy hearing, you have healthy hair cells. What happens is that when your hair cells get damaged or destroyed is when you lose your hearing. So we are really, this the HRP or the Hearing Restoration Project is focused on figuring out a way, how can we get those cell, those hair cells to regenerate. There are, we found three different species where that they, the hair cells can regenerate, zebrafish, chickens, and, early, and very young mice. So what we're trying to do is figure out, well, if they can do it, how can, you know, what can we do, whether it's through DNA, whether it's through pharmacology, whether it's through uh, reprogramming cells, that's what we're trying to do is figure out, can we, reteach cells in the human how to re you know either to repair themselves or for set existing cells to actually reprogram themselves to function as hair cells this is super exciting it's one of the most promising areas of uh you know of work that we're doing and we have 15 of the top research scientists from across the country at the top research hospitals that are working on this project we're really proud of the work that they're doing 
And I know another aspect of what you're doing has to do with effectiveness, and HHF has the highest possible rating from most charity evaluators. So what do you do to ensure that you're using your financial resources as effectively as possible and making the greatest impact? Great question. The first thing that we do is, you know, we're very fortunate that we have many of our, uh, you know, of the folks that are in our orbit that are reviewing proposals and helping us out sitting on committees are top research scientists and uh, medical doctors, and they're volunteering their services. So what our structure is, is that we keep our overhead extremely low. We have a very small staff, and what we do is that we leverage PhD and MD volunteers to, uh, to really help us. The second thing that we do is that for every research proposal that we receive, it goes through a rigorous four-step process. And the first is it's peer-to-peer. So we will have two other research scientists look at it, make comments on it, and we'll score it. And then it goes to a oversight committee, which are more senior researchers that will then review those, you know, review the proposals and the, and the remarks that were made. And then we have an even more senior research committee that will oversee that. And then our board of directors is the final level. So what we are really proud of is that we fund the best and the most promising research in the autology hearing arena. And we make sure that, you know, we're using peer-to-peer, you know, uh, peer-to-peer review to make sure that we get the very best. So what we're able to do, we keep our expenses low and we make sure that we fund the very best uh, science. The other thing we're really proud of is that when someone makes a donation, you know, a restricted donation to fund a research project, we didn't, you know, we don't charge any overhead uh, to that grant. So if somebody gives a, you know, a major gift, that major gift goes on to that, those academic medical centers and our, you know, our board and our annual givers are really funding the operation so that you know, we're able to do it in a really cost-effective and efficient manner. And we've received uh, the top ratings from all the charity watchdogs. And, and, and part of that is that you know, we want to you know, be the very best stewards of the resources that our donors have entrusted to us. Yeah, I think that's so important, obviously. And another thing I really wanted to bring up was just to ask, do you have any specific personal experiences that you can discuss about how HHF has positively impacted either a particular person or community or really anything? Sure. So I will. Yeah. So we don't direct deal directly with patients, but I, I'm going to tell you my story and, and you know, and, and how that it's impacted me. And yeah. I think that could be helpful. Um, when I was in the army, uh, I was in a combat, uh, was in a combat unit and I was a company commander and I never wore hearing protection because I thought, you know, this is, this is a pain. I don't want to do it. Uh, and then over the years, you know, when I, when I got out of the army, they said that I had some hearing loss, but you know, I was able to hear, but as I've gotten older, that has been, you know, as accelerated funny story is that I'm a jazz pianist. And one day I was sitting down playing the piano and at the upper registers of the piano, it was like I was playing it and I was playing really loud and I could barely hear it. So I called my piano tuner. I said, hey, something's wrong with this piano. Did you, you know, after you tuned it, did you leave felts in it? He goes, let me come out and look at it. He looked at it. He goes, there's nothing wrong with your piano. You need to get your hearing tested. And we kind of laughed about it. But then I went and got my hearing tested and 
what I discovered was in the higher range of the higher uh, ranges, I had pretty severe hearing loss. And for me, you know, that, you know, one was discovering the piano, but uh, through the piano, but it was also the information that I was able to learn through HHF to say, you know, what do I need to do? Because what most people don't realize is like, okay, if my hearing's gone, what do I do? Well, you should go see an audiologist and get a hearing test. And what the audiologist can do is then they can tell you, you know, how much hearing loss that you have and do you need any sort of treatment for it? For me, my treatment was I needed to get hearing aids. And, you know, that's not, you know, there, there's a kind of, sometimes there's a stigma with wearing a hearing aid. You know, it was one of those things is that, uh, you know, I got you know, some really nice hearing aids and the difference it made, it just completely reopened the world up that, you know, over time I had just lost touch with and, you know, being able to, you know, to uh, have hearing aids really made a big difference. Yeah, I think that's such an important point. And really after this conversation, I'm sure people are going to be interested in what you do. And so how can those who want to help best do so? Yeah, so the, the thing that I would really encourage people to do is check out our website, hhf.org. Uh, that's hhf.org. Uh, and you can learn about our prevention programs and you can also learn about our research programs. But what I would say is, if, you know, that if folks want to get involved, to me, one of the, the first and most important things that you can do is understand how hearing loss happens and what you can do to protect your hearing. If out of this that, you know, if folks are able to, you know, look and say, what are the things that I need to do in order to protect my hearing? To me, that is the, you know, first and most important thing that people can do. Um, and then also, if you're in a position to be able to make a financial contribution, uh, any gift, large or small, is certainly appreciated. And what it allows us to do is, one, continue to get the word out about how to prevent hearing loss, but it also allows us to get, you know, to fund these top researchers to make sure that, you know, we're moving the ball forward on finding cures for hearing loss. Great. And lastly, is there anything else that you'd like to add about HHF or reiterate or really anything? Sure. Uh, you know, I, I really want to go back and just say it's so important to protect the hearing that you have. And, and so, you know, that, I often say to folks that I would rather spend a dollar now to prevent somebody from having hearing loss than having to spend millions of dollars down the road to find a cure. So if you, you know, regardless of where you're at, whether you have, you know, that you have perfect hearing or you have a little bit or you have severe hearing loss, take care of the hearing that you have now. And that can be, you know, those very basic things, avoiding loud noise wear earplugs. You know, if you do like to go to concerts, wear earplugs, but also don't have a steady diet of it. Make sure that you give your ears a chance to rest. And those are things that, you know, that I think is super important. Um, the other thing that I would say about HHF is that we fund the very top uh, scientific research trying to find cures for hearing loss and related conditions. And if you're able to help us out, we would certainly appreciate it. Uh, there, you know, the, it's, you know, the funny thing is that, you know, there's always more need than there's dollars. And so whatever, you know, folks can do to help, that would be awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I'm sure people take a lot away from this. Sounds great, Brooke. Thank you very much.